I'm going to begin with a bit of a shocking statement. My wife and I separated a few weeks ago. And after thinking about it, we want to encourage you to do the same. All right, now let me clarify. I don't endorse divorce. In fact, I hate it. I hate it because the Bible says that God hates it. Malachi 2.16. The Bible teaches that marriage is a joining together for life. And divorce is a permanent separation of the two. That's why Jesus says what God is joining together, let not man separate. The Bible says a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife. And so like the joint of a wooden frame, a man and his wife are glued and clamped together. Only the betrayal of infidelity is a righteous cause for permanent separation, according to Jesus in Matthew 19.9. And so you might be asking the question, what do you mean your wife and you separated? And why should I do something like that? Well, here's what I mean. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5, Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer. You know, the word deprive literally means to make oneself completely private, to hide oneself away from the other. You are literally making yourself unavailable to your significant other. You're heading west while your spouse is heading east. Separation. Almost sounds like that dreaded word, divorce. But rest assured that this kind of depriving in marriage is not a permanent separation by any means. It's not even one of those, we need to take a break scenarios, you know, that usually start as a small beginning toward that dreaded word, divorce. No, this is the kind of separation that Paul commends, perhaps even in one sense encourages, or at the very least permits. It is a separation that is supplemented with a spiritual purpose in mind that is only temporary. As Paul says, that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer. All right, well, I said a couple of weeks ago, my wife and I separated. Can I finish my story now? My wife and I separated. We sure did. But we did so with consent for a time. Why did we do that? Well, I'm going to explain in a moment. There were some extenuating circumstances that led to that decision, but ultimately it did result in our purpose to give ourselves to fasting and prayer. Now, does that sound a little weird to you? Maybe even a little unusual. Let me clarify again. I don't think we formally said to each other and you know, some good old King James vernacular, honey, thine husband would appreciate that we consent for a time, that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer. No, I think the truth is, our week of separation occurred very naturally. In fact, it was probably just like any other husband and wife where the spouse might go on work travel, maybe care for an elderly parent, maybe help someone in time of need. My wife's parents happened to be in the area to help an old friend, and my wife thought it might be a good time to go back to Memphis with them and let the kids stay with the grandparents for a week. It would give her some time to rest with the upcoming quarter, maybe help around the house at her parents as well, and it would also afford me a little rest as well. 
You know, the only difference is that this kind of scenario was highly unusual for us. My wife and I are almost always together, and we love to spend time together. Sometimes I even feel bad when I'm in one room watching TV, and maybe she's in another room doing the same. I feel like we should be together whenever we have the chance, because I'm mindful of the fact that, you know, someday things could change. Life is very fragile, and we should cherish every moment together. Now that we have kids together, I, I, I really appreciate uh, this as well. I love being around my wife even more than ever before. She's a blessing to our children. And the fact that, you know, she's often the one changing the diapers, well, <laughs> that doesn't hurt either. But kids have a way of hardening the glue in marriage. You need each other even more in child rearing. And you appreciate one another even more as you learn how to tag team this once-in-a-lifetime effort together. You know, I really think it wasn't until the weekend after a busy week of work and visitation and study that I realized even more how much I appreciate our companionship together and how much time we actually share together. Sitting in the house made me realize this even more. You know, a house grows eerily quiet when you've got four little ones running around 24-7. I decided to remove myself a little further from the house especially if I was really going to experience a, a closer and deeper relationship with my God. And so after a little searching on the internet, I found a little getaway resort in the great state park of Sulphur Springs, Texas. Now, I'm going to spare the details with all the in-between, the in-between with my weekend getaway and my return and setting up tent and all of those things. But there is one important thing I want to share with you during this experience. There are some lessons I learned during this time that as I thought about life and God and marriage and what the Bible teaches us and all the while, mind you, laying on my hammock, you know, overlooking the beautiful lake waters, it really afforded me some time to do some deeper thinking and contemplation. And so I want to share just a few things here with you. Lesson one I believe one of the things I learned is that the closer you are to the things of this world, the further you are from the God beyond this world. Now let me explain. You know, you think about the Apostle John's famous words, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. All that is in the world is not of the Father, but is of the world. Now I want to be clear as I think about that statement. My wife and children are not of the world in the usual tone or uh, negative connotation that we give to the world. Even in the Bible, the world often does speak of something empty, empty of God, even perhaps opposed to God. John chapter 7, verse 7, Jesus said, The world cannot hate you, but it hates me. And so, yes, the world is something that can oftentimes be opposed to God. It can hate Jesus, our Lord and Savior. But I'm also mindful of this, that the world, in its just most basic meaning, has to do with this physical realm, its arrangement, its creation. Jesus even said, I am in the world, John 9, 5. Jesus was in this physical realm below. 
we don't need to think of the world automatically as something that is necessarily opposed or contradictory to God. The world can be something that is good, bad, or neutral. But one thing that is always shared when we think about the world in Scripture is that it is always something temporal. And hence, John says, the world passeth away. The world is a temporal thing. And so even when we are considering the beauty of God's very own divine institution of marriage and family, I have to remind myself that this is something that is going to pass away. And it doesn't matter if I die or they die first or some other unimaginable life-altering situation occurs. This beautiful earthly arrangement is someday going to pass. And so sometimes I need to remove myself from this world. And that includes even that great and wonderful institution given by God called marriage. Because the closer I am to the things of this world, the more I love the things of this world, good, bad, or neutral. Again, it doesn't matter. The further I am away from the God who is beyond this world, I I can't think of anything more beautiful than marriage and children in this world. But you know, they are still temporal. They are still fading away. Jesus asked me to consider when I think about what will I give my life in exchange for the things of this world? Will I exchange my own soul? Jesus says in Matthew 19, 29, everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. Is Jesus telling me that I should leave my wife and children literally, physically? Not at all. But Jesus is telling me that spiritually, inwardly, in my heart, I need to be closer to Jesus. I need to be closer to his Father than I do the things of this world. Which also brings me to lesson number two. I learned in my time away that the further you move away from the things of this world, the closer you can move toward the God who is beyond this world. I think this is the lesson straight out of 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5. The only explicitly stated and allowed purpose of making oneself unavailable to their spouse for an agreed-upon time is that they may give themselves, as Paul says, to fasting and prayer. Some versions simply read, and prayer. The point is, Paul's concession, or his permission, as it were, though Keep in mind, it wasn't by commandment, but by permission, Paul said, a wife and a husband might, if desired, be allowed to make themselves unavailable to one another if it is indeed for the purpose of pursuing spiritual, heavenly things, things that are not of this world. And so that passage alone tells me this, that indeed, if I move myself away further from the things of this world, I will have greater opportunity to move closer to the God, the God whom I worship, the God who's beyond this world. I can't help but think about Jesus, our Lord. According to Luke, he often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed, Luke 5, 16. 
You know, Jesus didn't have wife. He didn't have children. But Jesus was constantly with people. Twelve disciples, to be exact, who went in and out with him since the time of John's baptism, according to Acts one twenty-two. Jesus was always with people. And so, though he was not married with children, there was a sense in which he was married to these 12 disciples. He was married to these crowds and these people who constantly were following him. And so, he too had to break away. He too had to find himself a solitary place so that, according to Luke, he could pray and he could spend time with his God alone. It teaches me and it reminds me that no matter how good, no matter how wonderful the things of this world may be that we're around, wife, children, disciples, the church, those who we appreciate and love, we've got to break away sometimes. Why? So that we can move closer to the God who is beyond this world. My wife and I found a natural break in order to do this. But I think as we continue to move forward, I'm going to have to be more intentional about this. I enjoy my comforts, I enjoy my leisure, I enjoy my home, I enjoy my land, I enjoy my wife and children above them all. Sometimes I wish I could never let them go. I could just hold on to them forever. But no matter how much time I spend with them, no matter how much time I try to involve them even in the spiritual things that I do, there are simply some things that I can't do with them that I can only do when I'm alone with my God. I I, I can't spend all night in prayer like Jesus did as we read in Luke chapter 6 and verse 12. It's not reasonable. It's not respectful even to my wife and my children's needs. Like Jesus, there are simply going to have to be times where I find myself a solitary place so that I can move closer to my God, so I can be near to him in this life. And so that that was a second lesson I also learned that the further I move away from the things of this world, the more I have some opportunity to move toward God in ways that I just simply couldn't do elsewhere. But that also moves me finally to the, the third lesson I learned. And that is that marriage nor life itself is really fit for the monastic life, that amongst life. But there are going to be times when it is needed, or you may never truly find yourself in him. You know, the Lord made it very clear one day that it's not good that man should be alone, Genesis 2.18. The old proverb in scripture says, two are better than one. And Proverbs 18 also reminds us that a man who finds a wife finds a good thing, verse 22. Martin Luther, I think, was right when he often criticized the solitary life of the monks in his time who might have been Well, I should say it this way. They often lacked making a real substantive contribution to the world because of their solitary way of life. What what good does it do us when we experience these spiritual insights, this personal time with God, but then we don't go out and share it with others or let it drive us further to complete the mission that God has given us? Go ye therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Personal growth is important. But when it lacks contribution to the world around us, when it lacks contribution to the mission, then I realize that truly the monastic life, the monk's life, it's it's not fit for any of us. It, It doesn't fulfill the mission. Our purpose above is God, but our purpose below is people. But I also keep in mind this, that our time with God alone is needed. 
it is so desperately needed or we may never truly find ourselves in Him. You know, if we're not too careful, we may not realize that our life in God is just a life that is shared in the life of another, whose life in God also may remain in question. If your life in God is lived in the life of another, how will you ever really know if you are in God or not? You notice that Jesus didn't say, if you abide in my disciples, you are my disciples indeed. Rather, Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. John 8, 31. Do not live your life of discipleship in the life of another disciple. Whoever lives their life of discipleship in the life of another disciple becomes that one's disciple. And the Lord Jesus would not have you be another's disciple. He only wants you to be his disciple, not another disciple. It is good to dwell together this day and every day. And I pray that God continues to give us days together so that we can dwell together in unity. But I also pray that You will set aside time in your day, set aside time in your week to give yourself to fasting and prayer. Stop worrying about what's going to be in that belly, what's going to satisfy you at the next meal. Stop worrying about all the things of this life. As much as it might pain me to say, stop stop worrying all the time about your spouse and your children. Start worrying about your relationship with God more than anything. Don't don't worry, and the anxious says, but concern yourself with him first and foremost. Put first things first and remove yourself from time to time so that you can ensure that you really do love him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm convinced that we can do that a little bit more with a little bit more separation from this world. My wife and I separated, and I dare say, so should you.